Praise the Lord from Pastor Strader at Lighthouse Church. Thanks for connecting with us through our podcast. Our prayer is that it's a blessing to you as we try to reach, equip, and mobilize Jesus' name disciples in Apache Junction, Arizona, and the surrounding region. Enjoy today's podcast and come back often. God bless you. We love you. Well, everybody say praise the Lord. You can be seated this evening as we get started. I have some, uh, I don't know, I want to go through, we're going to do kind of a a book study is what I like to do. I like to kind of break down scriptures, so we're going to kind of go through some timeline of scripture this evening, but um, I want to thank Pastor for the opportunity this evening uh, to speak, uh, Bishop Caldwell for encouraging me as well. He and I had a good conversation this afternoon uh, while I was here, and I enjoyed that, um, and I don't take the opportunity to be up here. I don't take that uh, opportunity lightly. also want to pay respect and and uh well just let my wifey know that i love her she's been with me for a long time longer even than uh nathan wasman so uh yeah yeah uh, he's a nice guy but i love this woman right <laughs> she's put up with a lot and uh god has blessed me i am abundantly blessed amen um tonight um kind of toyed around with my message title, um, and I'll, if, if the ladies back there, they're doing an awesome job, amen, glad to have them back there helping us out. If you guys could start that clock for me so I don't make everybody wait until breakfast to get out of here, uh, I'd appreciate that, thank you. Um, glad that Pastor's able to get away, and uh, you know, um, he and he and Sister Strader need that time off, so I'm glad that they're able to get away. And we even miss because I'm sure they're watching on the nest, uh, uh, Angela and Taylor as well. So we're looking forward to having them come back. Amen. All right. So tonight's title, I, I kind of toyed around with it. I was thinking, no time for maybe faith, but tonight I went with, don't call me maybe faith. Don't call me maybe faith. Um, is, is what we're at looking at this evening. We're going to be focusing specifically on a particular passage of Scripture that I think is a really cool story uh, to break down for you. So uh, let us begin. He stands guard today atop a granite pedestal near a riverbank, riverbank in Concord, Massachusetts. He is a stout, handsome farmer clutching a musket while scanning the horizon for the advancing enemy. He is the iconic Minuteman, a statue, a bronze monument built to commemorate the first battle of the Revolutionary War. And that's when patriots fired what is known as the shot that was heard around the world, taking on the mightiest army of the era to preserve the birth of democracy in America. Ukrainians are now building their own monuments to democracy as they fight in a war that has come to their doorstep. And for more than a week now, the world has been transfixed by their battle to repel the mighty Russian army and preserve the birth of democracy in their homeland. In recent days, stories of Ukrainian courage have also been heard around the world. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky turned down an offer to evacuate him from the country by saying, the fight is here, 
I need ammunition, not a ride. The situation overseas is grim despite the prayers of thousands. The war has already begun, and rumors of future wars continue to grow. There are actually three Pentecostal pastors in the Ukraine who Brother Mark Hadaball from Florida has been sharing their stories on Facebook. And in a post on March 2nd, the pastors reported, we are asking for your love, your prayers, and your financial support. The family of 15 is still safe and thankful for the prayers. Even in the cold basement, they are trusting in the Lord. Rita is safe and no harm has come to her building area. And all of the people from the church are currently safe. And they have sustained no injuries. They have been playing videos and voice recordings of the prayers that people are sending to them from around the world in the shelters, in the subway stations, in the hospitals, and wherever they are. They said the prayers are like food for them. They simply cannot get enough. One lady happens to work at the hospital and she plays the recorded prayers aloud for her patients. She was off work yesterday, is what one pastor reports, and the hospital called and asked her to come back in because when she is not there playing those prayers, the people at the hospital become angry, irate, and upset. Fear and tension set in. But when she is there and she's playing the sound of recorded prayers from around the world, it brings peace and calm to the patients in the hospital. The church in Ukraine has said, we are not afraid. We are rejoicing as we are living in the victory of Jesus. We have seen Russian men coming out of their tanks, crying and saying, please forgive us, we can't do this, and they leave their tanks in the middle of the road. They have seen rockets disappear in the air without reaching homes and enemy tanks running out of fuel. The Russian troops are getting lost, and they're stopping to ask the Ukrainians for directions. The missionary from Romania has been taking in the first supplies the border, uh, to the border of Ukraine. The post goes on to describe different ways that we can support them financially overseas in their efforts. But the running theme that is mentioned throughout their entire discourse is the power of prayer. And tonight, I want to speak with you from a place of sincerity and urgency about the need for earnest prayer. The scripture the Lord gave us today is from Acts chapter 12 and uh, verse 1. And it is by far one of the coolest Bible stories you will ever read, I feel like. Um, it, it basically breaks down a prison break. It is my goal to convey you tonight that we do not have time for maybe faith. But now is the time to earnestly pray. Lord, I ask right now, Jesus, that you would be with me as I share the message that you have given me. God, help me to convey with these lips of clay, Lord, the message from heaven to their hearts, Jesus, that you would bless this message. And, Lord, reach through my mouth, Lord, reach through this place, God, and touch our hearts and move. In Jesus' mighty name. Acts chapter 12, verse 1, it says, it was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. And when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also. 
This happened during the festival of unleavened bread. And after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. You think about that for a moment. I'm not very good at math, but I'm pretty sure that four times four is 16 guys set up for one person. Zoe gave me a thumbs up, so my math is correct. It checks out. Thank you, Zoe. So when we apply that to ourselves, I can't help but think how powerful Peter must have been at that time for them to feel like they need 16 guards on one guy. And that same power resides in you. Amen? Think about that. Verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church, but the church, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Verse 6, the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. Then the angel, or he struck, excuse me, verse 7, he struck Peter on the side. Now, what kind of angel, while you're sleeping, just smacks you upside the head right there? He struck Peter on the side and woke him up, quick. Get up, he said, and the chains fell off of Peter's wrists. Verse 8, then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals, and Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. And the angel told him, am I the only one that's playing like Mission Impossible music in my head right now? Like, <laughs> Verse 9, Peter followed him out of prison, but he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought he was seeing a vision. They passed the first and second guards, and they came to the iron gate leading to the city, and it opened for them by itself, and they went through it. And when they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping would begin, would happen. Everything my enemies thought that they had planned out for me did not work. Everything the enemy set up to stop me fell apart. It did not happen. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. Amen. Verse 12. And when this had done on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, and where many people had gathered and were praying. And Peter knocked at the outer entrance. And a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. And when she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that she ran back without opening it and exclaimed, Peter's at the door. I mean, if you don't pick up on the jokes that are laid out in the scripture, like, that's hilarious to me, right? The whole church is in the room. They're praying for Peter. God help Peter. She goes running, Peter's at the door, Peter's at the door. And everybody's like, be quiet, Rhoda, we're praying for Peter. But Peter's at the door, be quiet. We're having a prayer meeting for Peter right now. Verse 15, you're out of your mind, they said. When she kept insisting that it was so, they said, it must be an angel. And when I read this, I had to ask myself, why did they think it was an angel? And the only thing that makes sense to me in this moment is because the folks praying actually believed that he was dead. 
They actually had more faith in that moment to believe that his angel had appeared at their door after he had died than in the miracle that was actually taking place right before their eyes. God had actually answered their prayers and delivered Peter from prison. And that was such an insane possibility for them that they completely dismissed it and thought it was more plausible that his spirit had arrived than him. But verse 16 is where I'm going to stop on. Verse 16. But Peter kept on knocking. I love that. Peter kept on knocking. And when they opened the door and they saw him, they were astounded. I love this story. This is a cool story, man. This is a cool story. So I want to take a moment to examine the passage of Scripture because I love to break things down and discover things that we may have missed on our initial reading. I, I think it's fun. There's a little nuggets. That's what makes reading the Bible so much fun. It's because when you're reading it, you, you get one thing out of it, and then you go back and you break down each verse, and you're like, oh, that means a little bit different. That means a little bit more. And you can just keep going back to the supper table of the Bible, and you can just keep getting fed more and more. So that's what we're going to do, and Lord, help me on the time, but I'm going to keep on going. We're going to make this happen. So something that stood out, I heard you, something that stood out to me is that I noticed how the angel in this passage showed up at the last possible minute. Like, come on now. Peter's been doing all this work. He's been working for God. He's been working for, 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 for Jesus. He's been preaching his message. Why would the angel show up at the last possible second, the night before his trial? I mean, couldn't he have showed up like three weeks ago? Couldn't he have showed up in plenty of time for us to come up with a plan for a strategic option of, okay, God's going to break you out. You got plan. You don't worry about the trial. But that's not what happened here. Can you imagine? You're sitting in a jail cell. You're chained up between these two guards, and it's late, and you're doing that awkward, uncomfortable sleep, just trying to, you're just, you're stretched out. But that's not what's happening to Peter. He's actually snoozing away. He's passed out. He's just sleeping. He, he's in that deep, like, REM sleep right there, you know? And I want to think, what kind of faith did it take for Peter in that moment to be able to be asleep, like deep sleep, while hanging up between two guards? Think about who Peter was and the kind of personality that I had personality that he has from previous scripture. Let's take a quick look at the evolution that Peter has gone through in his walk with God. We read in Mark chapter 4 verse 38 that Peter was one of the disciples who literally woke Jesus up in the middle of a storm freaking out and he yelled at Jesus, Jesus why are you sleeping? We're about to die. You don't care? Don't you care? Think about that transformation from that time all the way over to the book of Acts and the way that he's just sleeping the night before his trial and most likely his execution. And the spirit that Peter was able to get a hold of that has empowered Peter to be able to simply fall asleep between two guards is overwhelming. The Bible says that although he was chained up and sleeping between those two guards, remember there's actually 16, right? So there's several guards going down the hallway. I don't know if they're pacing back and forth. I don't understand how or where. I don't know if they're all in the same cell. But there's 16 guys tasked to watch over Peter. 
And I want to encourage someone tonight, because believe it or not, that same power is in you, Arizona. It's in you, Ricardo. Zoe, you've got that power. Amen? The same power, Gracie, God has put it in you. You've been going through some things in your life, and you've been asking God for some answers. Faith is the ability sometimes to be able to lay down and just go to sleep and let that faith answer those questions. And I'm picturing sleeping, uh, Peter sleeping, and I realize that this is not the first time that Peter has actually been recorded as sleeping in Scripture. Because there's another time, if we go back a few chapters, to a time in the Garden of Gethsemane. The Garden of Gethsemane was that place where Jesus and his most trusted disciples went just before Jesus went to the cross. And this is where God wrapped himself up in flesh, named himself Jesus, and prayed to himself in the spirit. Literally prayed drops of blood in desperation to find any other way to pay the price for your sin and my sin. He went to take on the punishment that we so rightly deserve in our place by serving as a blameless sacrifice to pay for our sin. And I'm not trying to chase a rabbit right now, but I, I just want to remind everyone that it was God's sacrifice in the flesh that canceled the debt for our sin. It is the death of Jesus when Jesus willingly went to the cross that gave us the opportunity to join him in everlasting life. Amen. He literally died for you. He literally died for you, Trenton. But it cost him. And as he considered and counted the cost, he prayed and he asked God if there is any other way to take this cup from me. And watch this part because this is important. God did not answer the prayer of Jesus at this moment by removing the cup of suffering. But what the Spirit of God did instead was he answered Jesus by filling the flesh of Jesus with the strength to endure what he had to do what he needed to do. Jesus endured the cross. He conquered hell and the grave, and he rose again so that we may have the opportunity to live with him for, in heaven forever. And if we can remember that no matter what I'm going through, if I feel like I'm in a prison chained up with six, 16 guards standing watching over me, I can sleep peacefully knowing that God is still in control. Amen? God is still in control. No matter what you're going through, God is still in control. So go back to that garden. While Jesus was praying, Peter slept. And Jesus said, wake up. My soul is in anguish. And while he was earnestly praying and crying out to the Holy Ghost, Peter was sleeping through all of that. But it was a different kind of sleep. Peter wanted to pray with Jesus. But the Bible says in verse 43 that their eyes were heavy. Their spirit was willing, but the flesh was weak. Peter was sleeping out of weakness in the garden. But when we fast forward to the book of Acts, chapter 12, he's no longer sleeping out of weakness of the body. This is Acts chapter 12. Now, Peter's sleeping from a place of knowing that I am seated in heavenly places with Jesus, and I'm seated with him. It doesn't matter what Herod has planned. It doesn't matter what my enemies have lined up for me. All that matters is that God has a purpose 
for my life. And so that's how he slept. Now let me circle back to the original focus. Acts chapter 12 is a really cool story, but a key theme that I want to highlight is the element of persistence. Persistence. On one hand, the passage is about peace, that Peter has peace to sleep on the, uh, on the worst night of his life, and yet, on the other hand, the passage is about persistence. Peter wasn't able to take any sleep medicine. There was no NyQuil. There was nothing special for him, what they call it, Lunesta or whatever. They, don't, they didn't have any of that stuff to help him sleep through the night. But Peter was able to go to sleep in peace. And remember verse 5? But the church was praying earnestly to God for him. And I think the word earnestly is important in this passage of Scripture. Earnestly defined is without ceasing fervently, truly, candidly, and honestly. This was no patty cake bedtime prayer the church was praying for Peter. They were in deep intercessory travail for the life of Peter. Now, let's be honest. We all know, while, while I know that there are certain individuals in our church that pray deeply and earnestly, many of us passively pray on a consistent basis. You may earnestly pray when something deeply personal hits you, but on a consistent, regular basis, most of us, myself included, we passively pray. We read in verse 5, though, that the church is praying for Peter, but the Bible doesn't go into specific description on what they are praying about for Peter. And remember, although the passage is kind of funny with Rhoda, it doesn't start out that way. To put it in context, they're actually in the middle of a famine at this time if we go back and read it in chapter 11. And if you read the Bible like a timeline, we see that it's at this time that Herod is out persecuting the church. And he has just killed James. Sorry, James. So don't you think, though, like this struck me, don't you think that the church probably prayed for James when James was captured earnestly? Don't you think that there was some deep travailing and crying out to God for James? Absolutely. They were praying for him. They were praying for James. But it didn't work out the way that they wanted it to. It didn't. The Bible says that James... Lost his head. Yeah, that happened. (laughs) Have you ever had to pray and ask God and believe God and trust God for something when he did not answer the last thing that you had prayed for? Nope, I don't. Okay, not now, maybe later. (laughs) That's hard. Whether you want to admit it or not, as humans... Our faith deteriorates when our expectations are not met. When Jamie and I had experienced the heartache and pain of multiple miscarriages, only finally to get that answer after years of praying, and James is on his way to be told that I had stage 3 cancer. I had a tumor growing in the middle of my head. That's hard to keep praying by faith. When we've been following the situation overseas in the Ukraine lately, 
We've been praying for peace for that nation. Countless prayers have been going before, uh, going up before things that were escalated to where they are. We've been pleading and asking God earnestly to stop a war from ever occurring in the first place. And yet, here we are. But I still believe that God can do anything. I still believe it. I haven't changed what I believe about God. It's just that on the other side of some unanswered prayers, sometimes praying becomes more challenging. So the next time that you're faced with something that seems impossible, we're tasked, to, we're tasked with having, having to still believe in God, but on the other side of an unanswered prayer. And that's when our maybe faith tends to set in. Thank you, God, for delivering us from this Worldwide pandemic. Maybe. I, maybe we're on the other side of this pandemic thing. Possibly. Hopefully. We're believing in it. Maybe. And we find ourselves in that same place that the church members were in Acts chapter 12 with that maybe kind of faith. It may be this or it may be that. You know, and, and for me, as a school administrator, I'm supposedly a leader on my campus is what they tell me. That's what they pay me for. And people want answers from me in the midst of a pandemic since 2020. And for the longest time, I felt like I simply did not have any answers. There's just no course in my master's program on how to run a school during a worldwide pandemic. We didn't, I didn't include that in my thesis. There was nothing about that in any of my classes. So in the absence of answers, what grows? What grows in the absence of answers? It could either be cynicism or it could be your faith. It could either be anger, depression, anxiety, or it could be faith. And I'll be honest, some people have really, really just been mean over the last two years. They've just gotten ugly. They've gotten mean. Things that people say behind, we call them keyboard warriors. Man, you'll say all sorts of stuff when you're not hanging out right in front of my face, <laughs> face to face. But I'll get some emails over the weekend that uh, you wouldn't believe that people say. It's crazy. It's crazy. Because in the absence of answers, they have allowed anger to grow. I'm mad that I can't control it. I'm mad that nobody will tell me what to do. I'm mad that I'm wearing a mask and they're not. Or I'm mad that they're wearing a mask and I'm not. I'm mad that I don't know whether to wear a mask. I'm mad that you're looking at me because I'm wearing a mask. I'm mad that you're looking at me because I'm not wearing a mask. I'm mad because I can't figure any of this stuff out at all. Would somebody just tell me what to do? I need answers. And even people in the church are panicking, and understandably so. But do you remember when we held church outside in our cars in like 115-degree weather? And people were asking, when is the church going to open back up again? And folks were saying, we've never been through this type of thing before. The government is oppressing me. The government is shutting me down. But Herod was literally cutting heads off. We're struggling with what we would call first world problems, my friends. I can't sit inside my air conditioning for church. Jesus, help me. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Heads are rolling back in the Bible. So that's one reason why 
I like this passage. It's because the church here, even though they're being oppressed, they are still praying, and they are praying earnestly, without seeking, fervently, with fervency. And the face of a prayer that God just doesn't answer, James has been killed, and yet, and yet, and yet, they are still praying. It gives a little different shade of meaning, doesn't it? When I said the church is earnestly praying because despite James losing his head, and there's no expectation that anything, they have no expectation that anything will happen differently to Peter. Um, and that's a dangerous place because in that place, if the devil tries to speak to you in that place, he will start to tell you lies. This is how it will always be. You can't really believe all that stuff that you were singing about in church. Those are just fairy tales. And the idea of mountains moving, chains breaking, God fighting for your battles for you, God doesn't really do any of that stuff. Or even more dangerous of a lie is if he gets you to believe he'll do it for other people, but not for you. Because that's when bitterness and resentment will start to grow towards God. But we have to be sensitive enough in the spirit to know that when you hear those things in your mind, when you hear those things in your spirit, that is not of God. That is not of God. If you listen to it, it will deteriorate your faith. And if you listen to it long enough, it will become a truth to you. So I'm impressed by this church on how they keep on praying for Peter. And I'm impressed with this church, uh, with our current body of believers, with Lighthouse Church, because we have kept on praying, and we did not stop praying, and we did not stop showing up. And we said, put it online, put, let me in the doors, let me. There were some people that even though we were online, if the doors were open, they were still coming in. They said, look, I'll sit in the back. I'll wear a mask. I'll wear two masks. I'll do whatever I got to do. But I've got to be in the house of God. And I'm glad. I am blessed. It blesses me to be a part of a church body that says, I will not be shut out. I will not stop worshiping and praying. I love my church family. My kids need to see that. Because as important as it is for me to be able to go to heaven, it's so important to me for my kids to go to heaven. My kids are watching you. When you stand up and you clap your hands and you pray, when you're struggling with what you're going through, my children are sitting around and while they may look like they've taken crazy pills this morning and they're rolling around on the floor, they're soaking it all up and they're watching everything that you're saying and everything that you're doing and they are the next generation. My boys are going to one day be up on a platform somewhere saying, God is good and you need to hold on. My daughter's going to be up here someday and they're going to be preaching, God is good, hold on. We are setting a legacy right now. So when they get a little loud, when they get a little cranky, I just know that they're in, I'd rather them here than anywhere else. Amen. I'm so far off my notes. <laughs> I will still trust him. And so what can the devil do when the church won't stop praying? Even if disciple James has had his head cut off, what can the devil do with a believer that won't stop believing? 
Even when the worst case scenario is on your doorstep, what can the devil do with a faith that can sleep in the midst of 16 guards? Never stop praying. Earnestly pray. Never, ever stop. Because sometimes you have to cry out to God and you have to say, hey, God, it's me again. Hello? Hey, God, it's me again. Remember me? Sometimes we have to have that childlike approach to God, the way that uh, you used to have with your mother, the way that my, my middle dude, Jonathan, and I love my guy, Jonathan. I love Jonathan. He's such a cool guy. But he'll sit there, and if he gets an idea in his head, he'll come over to me, and he'll like, hey, Dad, 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 hey, Dad, Dad. Dad, 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 daddy, dad, 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 daddy, dad, 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 dad. He does this all the time. It drives me nuts. It drives me dad. And I'm trying to teach him. You say, excuse me, and then you wait for me to finish talking, and then we can have a conversation. But he's still dad, 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 dad. He does it. And that's just me. Multiply that by three, and that's what Jamie gets. But we've got to be like that when we're earnestly praying, when we're fervently praying. That's us coming to God. God, hey, God, God, I need this. God, God, I love you. God, 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 God. Until God finally says, what? What? I love you. Okay. Love you too. And then, and then we move on. That's earnest prayer. To the point, we've got to pray earnestly, fervently, without ceasing, to the point the way that Jacob did in Genesis 32 and 22. We need to get a hold of God and cry out and say, I will not let you go until you bless me. If I have to wrestle all night in prayer, if it may cost me my sleep, it may cost me some friendships, it might cost me my job, but God, I trust you and I will not let you go. I will hold on and I will hold on, God, until I get victory, until I get the joy. God, I didn't understand what happened last time, but I am praying and I'm crying out, give me victory, Jesus. I will not let go. Never stop believing that God can ha still make it happen. And just like I shared with you at the start of the message, who is it that needs to keep praying? Who in the church needs to keep praying? Who is it? It's you and me. It's normal people in the church. It's not the elders of the church that need to keep praying. It's not the ministerial team that needs to keep praying. It's not the licensed minister that needs to keep praying. It is every single one of us, the normal guy who says, I don't know that I'm much qualified for nothing, but I know how to pray. I don't know that I'm really got, I got that background that's a little shady and I've made some missteps, but I know how to pray and I'm going to keep praying because that's when change happens. That's when we get the voice of God is when the normal everyday person of the church says, I will pray and I will not quit praying. Um, in an article I recently read about the conflict overseas, I read this part. It says, don't depend on the founding fathers, on Andrew Jackson, on Theodore Roosevelt, on Lyndon Johnson, on Obama, or even Biden. Don't depend on our leaders to do what needs to be done. Because whenever the government has done anything to bring about change, it's only done so because it's been pushed and prodded by the social movements, by ordinary people organizing. 
Lincoln was pushed by the anti-slavery movement. Johnson and Kennedy were pushed by the Southern black movement. This power of ordinary people is what Ukrainian President Zelensky has evoked when he released a taped appeal to the Russian and Ukrainian people before Russia's invasion. He said there was one group that could ultimately prevent war. And that one group was regular people. Regular Normal people will create the change needed. I want to see God's kingdom come in my lifetime, and I want to go to heaven. I want my children to go to heaven. And should the Lord tarry, I want my children's children to go to heaven. We live this way. We serve God in this way. We are an apostolic church that creates legacy, lifetime legacy worship. From generation to generation to generation. Jesus said in Matthew 7 and 7, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door shall be opened to you. But there's the problem with that verse. We often read it like it's a one-time action. How do you approach that door when you have a need? Is it a light, poli light polite tap on God's door? Is it that friendly, neighborly, Or is it with urgent attention? Imagine your house is on fire. Imagine there's an emergency happening and you're running next door to your neighbor. You're not coming over. Hello? Hello? No, ma'am. No, sir. You're running next door and you're like, hey! Hey! Sorry, I forgot I had a microphone. <laughs> And what do you do when that door does not immediately open? Well, guess nobody's home. <laughs> Head on back over this way. Or do you take that pity party approach? <laughs> they didn't want to talk to me anyway, so I didn't want to talk to them anyway. Or do you stand there until somebody comes to that door and opens it? Do you keep pounding on it? I'm not leaving. Come get the door. When life has tested your faith and we spend too much time trying to get God to explain it, we don't have time for that. What blew my mind about this passage is, of Scripture is that Peter, is that if Peter had been me in this passage, I don't know that I would have broken out of jail. If that had been me, I don't know that I would have gotten out. Because I asked too many questions. That's me. Um, I'm going to skip ahead a little bit. But um, there's certain, if Peter just stayed out that door and knocked and Rhoda didn't answer it, and if he had just stayed out there and didn't keep knocking, the soldiers were out looking for him. He could have just stayed out there. Yeah, I hope somebody comes and opens this door. It's a little chilly out here. He, they would have seen him. He could have gotten captured and had to do it all over again. But instead, he, the Bible says he kept on knocking. And Peter wasn't just banging on the door. We know that he was probably yelling, too, because it says in verse 14, when she recognized Peter's voice. When you pray, God is waiting to hear your voice. He is waiting for you to call out to him. And here's the thing. Your grandmother's prayers will only take you so far. Your pastor's prayers can only do so much for you. God wants to hear your voice. 
God, help us. We need this year to be the year that we stop standing or sitting in our chair during worship and thinking that it's just a concert that we're up here watching. We need movement to happen. If you don't have the talent to get up here and sing, and Lord knows I don't, I often ask Pastor, hey, when do I get, when do I get to sing? When are you going to let me sing? And Pastor's like, oh, yeah, God loves you. Okay, <laughs> thank you, Pastor. God is looking for worshipers that will move. He wants to see me move, do something, move. So let's talk about the angel real quick in the passage. You know that the picture of the angel that you have up in your house, that picture that you have, that precious moment, so sweet, so precious, the one that sits on top of your tree, oh, she's so pretty. That's not the angel in this passage of story. I picture in this passage something more like a military drill sergeant. Get up. Get dressed. So we look at the verse a little closer. I want to show you why most of us stay in a prison. Why we stay in a prison to ourselves, to our past, to our preferences. We stay in a prison to our pain. We stay in a prison to our addictions. Because I read through what the angel told Peter. And here's three things that stand out to me. Three specific things. Peter has to move forward by faith without explanation. He has to move forward by faith without explanation. Say that real quick. Move forward by faith without explanation. And here's what it says in verse 7. He struck Peter. The angel struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off of Peter's wrists. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and your sandals. And Peter did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. So here it is. This is what I would have said to each of these scenarios that happened to Peter. Quick, get up. I would have said, how? I'm chained up to two guards. How do you expect me to get up when I'm chained to something that's bigger than me? Have you ever felt like that? Chained up and God wants you to move? But notice this. Peter didn't ask the question how. He got up and then the chains fell off. You catch that? He got up, and then the chains fell off. That's not how it works in my head. That's not how it should work. The chains should fall off, and then I get up. But instead, he had to take action. He had to move. So when he got up, the chains fell off. And, and um, because, okay, because the freedom comes through your obedience. And many of us have been delivered from something in life because we obeyed what God told us to do even though it was bigger than us, even though it was stronger than us. I'm mindful of the time. I'm going to have five more minutes, if that's okay. Five, five more minutes. Um, you didn't get free by asking more, more questions. You got free by taking action. So you reached out to somebody, and you prayed with urgency. You went to God with it, but you did more than that. There was something that you did, and there is something that God wants you to do in your situation right now. You've got to ask God, what is the action that you want me to do? I'm not going to just stand out here and just keep saying, God, please help me. God, please help me. Help me. There is an action that God is asking for you to take right now if you want to get the freedom that you are seeking. Amen? Peter could have waited for an answer until his head was rolling on the floor next to James, but instead he just acted. And I don't know what that means to you, but I know that I never get anywhere by waiting for God to explain to me what's going on. 
If I stand there and I say, God, I need an explanation. I need you to tell me the why, the how, the when, the where. All that gets me to is depression, anxiety, anger, frustration. So instead, I just need to buy, buy faith to trust him and to move in that direction. Um, so the next thing the angel says makes no, no sense. Put on your clothes and sandals. Now I'm asking why. Why? Why do I need to get dressed? I'm getting ready to get killed tomorrow. I'm going on trial. Why, why do I need to look my best for my execution? Why? And then the last thing, the angel says, follow me. What question are you asking? I'm saying where? Where are we going? All right. Is it, is it have a good, strong job market? Uh, is, uh, what's the cost of living like over there? All right. Am I going to have any friends? Is, am I going to connect well with my church? Where are we going? But Peter doesn't do any of that. He just follows according to what God asks. And when he gets to the house, this is where we find that, that the church is praying and Rhoda has come. And have you ever, I wonder how many of you have been standing in your situation waiting for an answer, and God is looking back at you, waiting for you to take action. God, I need an answer. God, talk to me. And he's waiting for you to take a step forward. Have you ever rolled up to a street light and it doesn't change? It's just sitting there? So after a while, you finally get smart and you figure out, I better, I better roll back a little bit or roll forward a little bit. And that little bit of movement, that little bit of action changes the light so I could keep moving forward with my life. That's what God's asking you to do. You've been stuck for so long sitting at a streetlight that's not going to change until you create some level of movement for him to pick up the fact that you're there. You're not pounding on that door loud enough. God, I need you. God. Amen. And you guys can stand. The church is praying earnestly. And while they're knocking on God's door, God is knocking on their door. And now we find Peter knocking and there's no answer. And the church has no idea that what they're praying for has actually happened. And it's so funny to me that they are praying for the one who's standing at the door. And they don't want to interrupt their prayer meeting to praise God for that answer. I personally think that it was the fact that the church wasn't even asking God to keep Peter alive in that moment. They were probably asking him to give Peter peace in his human understanding. That God would give Peter peace. And most likely, that's why Peter was sleeping so soundly that the angel had to kick him to get him to get up. Instead of praying for deliverance. Because they're praying on this level. God, help Peter before he dies to fill your presence. And God's like, nah. Uh-uh. I'm going to see your prayer and I'm going to raise you a prison break. We're going to get him out. Amen. And I'm going to give you what you didn't even ask for because you didn't think it was possible. So we've got to keep praying earnestly for God to move. If you will be like Peter in this season of your life, and Peter kept knocking at the door, God might just actually shock you with his answer if you'll keep praying. If instead of using maybe faith, maybe he'll do it, but genuinely, earnestly, without ceasing, prayerfully consider that God can and will bring about what you need to have happen. Never stop praying. No matter how you feel, 
through mental illness, never stop praying. Get a doctor, get new friends, develop new habits, take a vacation, but don't stop praying. Because sometimes in the absence of answers, sometimes the greatest faith actually grows. You don't have to be a prayer warrior to earnestly pray. You don't have to be called into the ministry to earnestly pray. You don't have to have a license in your wallet. You don't have to be eloquent with words, great speller, or an extensive vocabulary to pray. You don't have to be 89 years old and love in retirement. You don't have to be so innocent to still be in grade school. Everyone can pray. Because we simply don't have time for God to give us an explanation. We don't have time for maybe faith. Let's let God be God and simply find a place to pray. Amen. And I want to invite everybody to the front because I feel like this is an appropriate time for us to pray. I know that Brother Caldwell had asked for us to pray for him this evening. I'd like to invite all of the men to pray with Brother Caldwell for what he's asked for. Everybody, even even Nathan Wil Nathaniel Wilkins, I want you to pray with Brother Caldwell. All the men. We're going to pray for him. And if you don't find yourself in that place where you're needing to bang on the door, maybe you're somebody that's not in a situation. I want you to find somebody else to pray with them. Because God is going to do what God is going to do for you.